Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Hello! From the Next Reels Film Board, this is Tommy Handsome with an important announcement. The following podcast includes movie audio clips that contain unbleeped profanity. Such profanity may include Damn, Hell, Nuts, Butter, <laughs> McGee, Doodle, <laughs> Captain, <laughs> and Toot Toot, here comes the diarrhea parade. Listening discretion is advised. <laughs> 
Trailer Rewind, a monthly conversation about movies you may have missed in theaters that are now available to watch at home on streaming services. Every month we dig into the archives and watch a film that Pete and Andy talked about in their trailer picks. We watch it and have a very spoilery conversation about it. Today, JJ and I are talking about Felony, a police thriller directed by Matthew Seville and starring Joel Edgerton, Tom Wilkinson, and Jai Courtney. This was Andy's pick from September 5th, 2014. Today is April 9th, 2018, and Felony is available on both Hulu and Amazon Prime. Before we go any further, you should check out our ever-expanding back catalog for this show and its sibling shows at thenextreel.com. If you've stumbled upon us, you can subscribe in your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Next Reel. And whether you've just found us or have been listening for a while, you can be part of our community. For as little as $1 a month, you can support us as a patron on patreon.com slash thenextreel, which gets you into our Discord group where there's always an engaging conversation about films, and you also get exclusive weekly Saturday matinee episodes hosted by a changing rotation from the film board gang of thugs talking about movie news, trailer picks, and lists. And you can listen live as we record. Bonus. That's right. Total bonus. Lots of perks for our Patreon supporters. We love having you guys part of the community. Yay. So, JJ, for this one, Felony, Andy said what intrigued him the most about this is that it was Joel Edgerton's first produced feature screenplay. And he thought the story- Which is amazing. Oh, yeah. He thought it had a Dennis Lehane vibe. And of course, Tom Wilkinson pretty much elevates everything that he's in. So he was looking forward to this one. And I could see from the trailer exactly that sort of set my expectations for where this was going. What about you? What was your reaction to this one? So I I didn't know Andy's note until I had actually watched the film. So I went back and found out that it was Joel Edgerton's first mm-hmm produced feature screenplay. I was shocked that he wrote it. It's, I thought, that's fantastic. It was really great. I didn't really feel Dennis Lehane from it um, too much. Um, but I, so different from how we usually watch our trailer rewind movies, I actually watched some trailers of this one before I saw it. So I ended up with some expectations and I felt like I really, I felt like I came into the movie really knowing what was going to happen. But one of the great things about this movie is that it played out everything it did in the trailer, but it did it it did it relatively early. I would say it did it played out everything that was in the trailer in the first 50% of the movie. And then it took a really creative and interesting direction with the piece of the cop thriller. I compare it to maybe a movie like NARC with Ray Liotta or something like that. Something that is really interesting in a psychological and in a philosophical way. And it uh, it really surprised me. I, I Many times in the movie, I said to myself, I have no idea what's going to happen next. I don't know what they're going to do with this, which I thought was really special. I felt like it was a movie about what it's like to be human and also have to be a police officer. I found myself saying many times too, saying, really sucks to be human (laughs) because there's so many just natural feelings that all these people have to deal with and fears and, you know, self-protection and all these terrible things. And it's just such a terrible a terrible tragedy of events that unfolds in this movie. But it's a great dialogue about what is happening and told in a really, really creative way. So I was very pleasantly surprised. Even after I saw the trailer and got some expectations, it hit on those expectations and then surprised me in some of the turns towards the end. How about you, Steve? Yeah, I went into this expecting a little bit more of a police procedural. uh, Because we have sort of two main 
sort of cases that are part of this the story. And so I was I was hoping and expecting perhaps a little bit more of sort of untangling and solving those mysteries. Whereas the film really focuses more on the dynamic of of our three main characters and their relationship to each other. And as this story plays out, the impact it has on each of them and, and sort of how they play against each other, which I think works really, really well. So it was, wasn't what I expected, but I was pleasantly surprised to see a story like this that focuses on, as you said, what it means to be human and looking at each three of these men and their transformation over the story as they are sort of fighting for what they believe is is right or how to survive this situation. So it, it wasn't what I expected, but it was a pleasant surprise in what it did deliver to me. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up police procedural with it because I didn't I didn't expect that that was where I was going to go with it, but in the way that it's filmed it almost kind of re- reminds me a little bit of The Wire in in a positive way in that it it kind of just drops in and out of storylines as it's going through and one second you're with you know with with Carl and Jim the detectives that are investigating and then the next the next second you're with you're with uh Malcolm's family who's the the main character that's the Joel Edgerton character and it just kind of jumps back and forth and it and it feels very stark in the way that the wire is where it doesn't necessarily uh try to it doesn't feel like it's trying to lead you a particular way in your opinions about what's going on in the film so um yeah Maybe it is a little bit uh, procedural to start, at least, and then gets into some of the really interesting, dramatic points of the story. Well, what set that procedural expectation up for me was a scene early on. Uh, so, I mean, our, our setup is, and this was interesting, our our sort of opening of the film is a, a 911 call. And so we just hear a conversation between someone who's who's called emergency services and there's been an incident involving a boy on a bicycle and, and something's happened. And then we we sort of jump into the story and we get to see what's going on with, with Malcolm. He's on a raid. He gets shot. They're out celebrating afterwards. And then he's he's out driving. He is given a, a code word that the police officers, the detectives can use if they get stopped at the uh, sort of breath breathalyzer stations that are set up. Uh, and so he's able to get waved through that, although he probably should have been stopped from driving. He's been out drinking and uh, he is he's driving sort of grazes this boy on the bicycle. That's sort of our, our, mm. our big event. And he's not yeah. sure how to handle that. And then we get introduced to, to Jim and Carl and Carl has been working on this case and so we get introduced to that and there's a scene with with he and jim and he basically tells you know jim that this this guy's guilty and we've got to get him and he's like you need to listen to these uh this is about a different case yeah this is a different case and so what he's what he's setting up and i guess i should sort of go back a little bit and say so jim and carl are there on the scene after malcolm calls emergency services Carl goes over and, and talks to Mal. Jim is sort of the new guy on the beat and, and sort of sees the conversation from a distance and get the feeling he suspects something's going on. And so then in this later scene, when Carl basically tells him, you know, if you look hard enough, you can always find something. And I need you to find something so we can wrap up this case. And to me, that set the expectation that Jim is going to take that sort of sentiment from Carl and apply it to Malcolm's situation. And that I thought this was going to be, how is Jim going to be able to basically get an piece enough parts of the puzzle together to basically reveal 
what we, the audience, know that that Malcolm's the guilty party in this, and we. So that's what I thought this was going to be of the suspenseful thriller of Malcolm trying to 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 cover up, you know, his mistake. Carl sort of being complicit in that, and Jim being the new outsider, sort of drawing back the cover on some police corruption and cover up that the cops, you know, sometimes do things wrong and they're not held accountable for it. So I was expecting that type of procedural. So that's that's where I was coming from with that. Hey, I'm looking at this file and I'm just curious what got you so into this Victor bloke. I mean, you got like virtually nothing on him aside from, well, he's on the offenders register. He so. did it. Oh, well, yeah. But I watched the tape. That's a disc. The disc. Watch it. I've, uh, I've watched the disc. Watch it again. Got it? I've got a date with my mother. Now, the file for the telephone intercept should be up. Listen to every word. If the footnote says nothing of interest, take it with a large pinch of sodium chloride. Find something. If you look hard enough, you always will. That's the way you're going to impress me, not by bringing me cups of coffee. And so that almost reminds me of The Departed, right? I mean, and and this is not, you know, this isn't really into the depth of The Departed, but the, the... the thing that I loved about this movie is that it doesn't really go there. That it that where it goes instead is that that Malcolm, you know, our main character, he isn't trying to cover it up. He just he didn't know what to do. And I one of the and and he was led there by Carl. And this is the whole thing of this like survival instinct and this terrible piece. And I mean, what led me into the 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 feeling of oh, it sucks to be human is you know he was shot at work that day, and then yes. they had all this this celebration for him. So he's dealing with this this adrenaline response, and then he's celebrating and all this stuff. And he makes terrible decisions, right? I mean, he should take a cab. They even show us a cab driving by and and this sort of thing. But he doesn't make that decision. And then one of my favorite things about the scene where he hits the kid is that um and this is a, a really way to smart to make a, a smart filming decision is that they show the, the camera shows him basically passing the kid yes. right so yes. you're in the car and that's one thing about this movie all the shots in the cars they did a lot of uh, of kind of fixed camera shots in cars yes. were really smart smartly done and as as mal comes up and drives past this kid all of a sudden then mal becomes aware that the kid has fallen down it, it's almost in a rearview mirror we don't know what's happened and the reason why that's so smart is because that's his perspective he doesn't know what happened either He's as surprised as we are. And so as the audience members, we get to live in that utter confusion and terror that he feels about this terrible decision that he made and that now that this kid is hurt. And eventually we learn with the main character that his side mirror is bent in and that's how he knocked this kid off his bike. And it's just so... It's so terrible and so frustrating. And so, and then all the cops kind of line up over time to to have to get in that survival response and they're kind of end up protecting each other, even though none of them want to do it. They all want to come clean in one way or another. Well, maybe not Carl, but uh, you know, they all want to come clean. They all want to do the right thing, but they don't know how to do it. And they're bound by their terrible decisions. They're bound by the, and you know, we go into this metaphor later on, you know, maybe we want to talk about that scene where Carl gets, Carl gets blasted and starts to talk to Jim, the young guy in the force, about what it's like to be in a band. 
And 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 if 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 somebody in the band writes a terrible song that we don't point and laugh at him, which it just felt like a pitiful scene for Tom Wilkinson, which he delivered fantastic. But we don't point and laugh at him. We don't make fun of the guy that 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 said the bad that wrote the bad song. You know, this is a metaphor for a bad choice. We get together and we play that song because that's what we do in a band, which in general as a metaphor is a little bit weak. But he's he's drunk so i'll give it to him <laughs> but you know that's the thing they all made these terrible decisions and then the movie was about what they had to execute to live through those terrible decisions and wow what an interesting creative dramatic point that this movie really makes when it gets to there yeah that's right that's what you are you're the guy nobody likes you're the guy in the band that's always complaining see we're in a band right like a musical band can you imagine that and when somebody in the band writes a song, like it or hate it, we fucking sing it. And if someone in the band happens to write a fucking shitty song that nobody likes, we keep our opinions to ourselves and we sing it anyway. We don't stand to one side and laugh and point and say, oh, oh, that's shit, I'm not doing that. Because that doesn't look good for the band, does it? And one day you're going to go bad. You're going to write a fucking shitty song, I know it. And then where will you be? On your own, because you're the guy that wants to go solo. You're the guy with the best judgment. But he didn't set out to do a bad thing and don't make it out like he did. Victor. Victor, he set out to do a bad thing to that little girl. That's who. Not someone who made a fucking genuine mistake. So use your fucking head. Stop being a prick. Finished. Yeah, it it really is about that that brotherhood on the on the force of that they're a team and they have to be there for each other because you can't you need to be able to depend on those guys and rely on those guys and trust them that they will that they will always be there to back you up even when you make a mistake. And unfortunately in this situation, it is just so wonderfully crafted at the beginning to just follow along with Mal through that opening sequence. And he gets in that car and it seems like, I mean, everything has just been pushing him in that direction that he's, he's there outside the bar. They take, they give him the code word so he can get in his car. And then the, when he gets stopped, you're thinking, okay, they're, they're going to catch him here. And cause the young guy is like, pirate what's this code word let me go talk to somebody and then oh sorry detective go ahead and he gets waved through and then he's just driving the streets at what like two or three in the morning there's nobody there and then you're thinking okay this everybody can can relate to this he's had a really rough day he had a couple of drinks there's nobody on there he got shot yeah he got shot he got shot he's had a rough day and then he comes across now i will say to me it seemed as he passed him i thought there was a, a slight thump sound there was it right was very light but very very yep. light which i again yep. you know i think plays into the oh okay he just you know it, it's incomprehensible that you could just you know casually be passing someone on a bicycle and the next thing you know the kid is on the ground unconscious and it just seemed it was it from his perspective it wasn't like wow we we, we smacked this kid off and he you know t- tumbled you know very violently and he wasn't mangled it was just like oh the kid right. wobbled on his bike and fell over and so we get that from him when he makes that phone call but yes for for him it's 
you know, as he's explaining things to Carl and Carl, you know, sort of pieces together exactly what happened. He, he'd already heard. Oh, yeah, you've been shot. Oh, I've had a couple. OK, yeah, this is how we we help each other. And it, it creates this very interesting dynamic between all three of them that I think is you can you can sympathize with each of them. The one piece of each of those characters that I struggle with the most is and it comes back to that. Uh, investigation that Carl's involved with where he's, he's, you know, after this, you know, this guy, Victor, and he is just so convinced that this guy is guilty. And then later on, we see it goes to trial and the outcome isn't what Carl hoped for. And what I struggle with understanding, and maybe there's something that I missed is why Carl is just so invested in that case and the guilt there. I can understand his, his wanting to help Mal, cover for things. I understand Jim is the outsider of, of being sort of, this is about justice and what's, what's right. And when he doesn't see a clear, clear evidence pointing towards Victor's guilt. So that, that's the one piece I struggle with Carl. I mean, Tom Wilkinson's performance is great. That character piece I struggle with. So I didn't understand it when I watched it either. And okay. I thought it was actually kind of a toss away case, but here's, here's the hypothesis that in reflection about the movie, I want to think about because when Jim goes back and looks at the video more closely and he's looking at this is security cam footage of where this girl was abducted and we find out that she was later raped. Was she murdered too? I don't I know. So. I, I don't yeah. remember the details yeah. of the story, but he's looking over all of the evidence and he see, and he looks at a still fit picture of a man with a dog. And and then at some point in the security cam video, he focuses very tightly on the dog that is running through the security cam footage. Now, I didn't understand what that meant it, when I was seeing it. it, it and, and honestly, I, I usually love this in movies when they don't actually spoon feed it for, to us, when they just kind of let us work it out on our own. But I would say the, the way that I'm going to reconcile the character study, because they don't close that loop in the film, is that if if Victor really is guilty— and he really did uh he really did kidnap and rape that girl then what carl's depth of misery and what we see as corruption if for some reason victor didn't do it is that carl was being a good cop and he figured it out through all the stuff that he looked at and his frustration his depth of the misery that he goes to when victor gets off on a technicality is a reaction to that so that it, again, again, I don't know if that's actually what Jim found, but I will say that it actually pieces the story together right for me. If if Carl is actually trying his darndest to do his his good work, and these other terrible things that he's doing outside to keep the band of brothers together is somewhat holding things in balance, because I feel like the way that the film ends for us is that they all continue to live their lives. Um, and they try to balance out their good with their evil. Okay. All right. So, okay. So it's clear. I mean, we've talked about, about Malcolm and I thought it was interesting, his, his name choice. Cause they, they call him Mal, which grammat uh, grammatically means bad, yeah. means bad. Yes, exactly. So that, that was interesting. Uh, so you, you see his, his struggle and then we've got, um, Carl and we've talked about you know, sort of his role of like being that veteran on the force, but then we've got Jim and we haven't really talked about him and what his big story is and sort of what's, what it is. That's the choices that he's having to make. And that was another one that I, was trying to piece together enough of 
who he was and, and what his choices were because he ends up developing a relationship with the mother but of, he doesn't of the boy the right do- it's not a real relationship right. that's the problem exactly oh such a gross scene <laughs> such a gross scene but again i'll go back to my theme of this movie is it just sucks to be human right because he wants to do okay so we're talking about the mother of the kid who was hit and jim has is trying this is like his first case right his first case as a detective and he's trying he believes that something bad happened so he wants to he wants to take care of the situation he wants to make it better for the mom and she's grieving and like all this stuff and she's an attractive woman so he gets attached and all of a sudden he believes that there's something going on and he tries to kiss her and it happens to be and she's not having any of it which is fantastic the way they deal with that in the film it's super awkward and it's like don't you know and then that's the day that her son died i mean oh yeah ooh. Just the tragedy of that. Again, sucks to be human because, of course, he's going to have those he, those feelings probably are definitely going to come up in him. But that doesn't mean he should act on them, right? He still makes this terrible decision and he still has to live with that. And it, the, in watching it, then her, they get to the hospital after they have this awkward encounter. And it, literally 15 minutes earlier, he could have consoled this mother who just dealt with her son dying. But because he tries to make it a pass at her before he takes her to the hospital, he can't do anything. Yeah. And it's just, oh, those kinds of creative drama and creative character pieces are what really made me love this movie. What did you think of Jai Courtney's performance? Because I think everybody's familiar with and respects, you know, Joel Edgerton as an an actor and, and Tom Wilkinson. Jai Courtney has got an interesting sort of, track record you know he was in you know suicide squad as uh captain boomerang uh he was oh, in that was him yeah he okay. was in like terminator genesis he was you know was in the divergent insurgent series again not right. not you know and i i think on our film board i think uh tommy handsome had some you know quite disparaging things to say about his performance. And I think it was divergent or insurgent. So I have to go back and listen. I wasn't, I wasn't sure what to expect from him because he's not somebody that carries a film and to put him in sort of with these two heavyweights that, that have proven they can really carry a film and carry a scene. How do you, how well do you think he held his own against those two? Well, I think, you know, I, I, he, I think he held his own because he was perfectly cast in this role. Okay. Because this role is meant to be conflicted and not necessarily revealing mm-hmm. about the emotions that he had. I mean, I, I think back to that scene that I'm talking about, about the metaphor with the bad band when Wilkinson, Carl, Tom Wilkinson playing Carl is, you know, is totally loaded and going off about all this crazy stuff. And Jai Courtney sits there and takes it like the like the crusader cop that he is and waits and the, and the, and his line after that, after, you know, Tom Wilkinson's just given it to him as he says, are you finished? And then he gets in the car and he leaves. Yeah. That's the Jim character. So, um, in general, uh, you know, of all the things that you mentioned, I don't know that I have a real favorite of his other performances either. So I don't, I don't remember Tommy's rant about it, but I do, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of those movies that you talked about, but I will say that in this one, I think he was perfectly cast and I was happy with his performance. Yeah. I, I was pleasantly surprised as well because yeah, there are several scenes where I, I think it was the casting, for this character of Jim, I think it, it was a really good fit of what he can deliver as an actor. 
and what the character was requiring because it, it, he is very sort of closed off from everybody. I think it, it did, it did work really well when you've got, you know, Carl, who's just so effusive and just out there and you've got, I mean, it's an interesting dynamic they set up from the beginning because when we first meet Carl and Jim, Jim is pulled up to Carl's house to pick him up and is waiting and honks the horn to let him know he's out there. Carl comes out and just, well, actually calls him on the phone and just, you know, lays into him like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm coming out. And basically you, you woke up, you woke up my wife, you know, and all this, it's like, don't call me. Uh, and, and Jim's got coffee for him. Cause he's like, he's, he's, you know, perceptive. So he's, he knows exactly what kind of coffee, you know, Carl likes. And he's trying, trying to do his best to, you know, do well by his new partner and offering him coffee. And you see the, that aspect of him of, I thought, okay, here's a guy who pays attention to things and may not have the best way to interact, but he will make efforts to do the right thing. And I thought it was a great way to set up that character from the beginning. Uh, you know, later on, we go back to that scene of where Carl's telling him, you know, you know, pay attention, you know, look hard, find something. That's how you're going to impress me. Not by bringing me coffee where Carl's saying, it's not about the little gestures. It's about results. It's about solving the case. And that's again, which I find sort of the interesting twist because Jim does delve into and, and discovers Malcolm's guilt and is trying to hold Carl accountable for that saying, look, you, this is what you asked me to do. I am impressing. I should be impressing you because I've figured out what you two have been up to uh, because he, he comes to Carl once saying, Hey, we didn't do, you know, forensics on his car. And, you know, this is when Carl, you know, keeps trying to sort of like sideline this thing. Like, this isn't important. Why are you coming after one of our own when we've got this Victor guy to go after? So, yeah, I, I thought, you know, Jim was sort of like the his role was sort of to, I guess, be the the counterbalance to to Carl. And then there's that scene again, coming back to the band where it's the three of them in that place. And what really was unexpected for me was how far Carl went to really push Jim's buttons. I mean, he went way, way offensive uh, in what he was saying to, to Jim about basically, you know, hey, did you get together with that mom? Because, you know, if you didn't now, hey, you know, Mal has said he's going to turn himself in. So, hey, now you're really going to get in with her. And then says some really offensive things. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 a perceptive detective, too. yes. He is. And then those wow. two, those two come to blows. And then, yeah, then things really just fall apart for Malcolm <laughs> after that of, I mean, everything goes wrong in this guy's life. <laughs> yeah. You well, know? but again, it's, it's yeah. like this big circle, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mal, Mal basically gives the same speech to Jim mm -hmm. that Carl gave to Mal. Yeah. When, from what I understand, and again, this movie does not spoon feed it to you, so you don't know. Jim punched Carl in the back, and yeah. he had a stroke. Right. Uh, wow. Yeah. And when that happened, I mean, it, like, here's a spoiler. Like, yeah. if you're listening to this, that's a huge spoiler because that is you will never see that coming. No. no. When you watch this movie, and that goes there, and then I mean, what Mal goes through, and I mean, Joel Edgerton to talk about his performance in this movie. This movie was his baby, right? He wrote this thing. His, when he goes through the car crash, and which is done very plainly, very starkly, in a way that 
he's bleeding. I thought he was going to lose his mind thinking about that everything that he's gone through with this this kid that he's killed. Um, and then, you know, he walks to the mom's house and his scene when he's just like pleading with her. Yeah. And just crying. I mean, wow. It was huge and very emotional. Um yeah, I mean, just really intense. And Joel Edgerton was fantastic in this movie. Oh, I mean, this was yeah. this was his movie, and he owned it. He owned it all the way through. Oh, yeah. It's such an interesting journey you take with him. And there are little subtle things that, again, it's he's not spoon-feeding it to you, but there's a scene that just really, I thought, resonated and I think plays into the psychology of of someone who's guilty. Because there's a scene where they've, They've he's trying to bust up this whole drug ring. And um, so they've got sort of an informant, well, a, a guy who used to be a cop who sort of found himself on hard times. Now he's dealing drugs and they're in there trying to get some information. They're trying to broker a deal with him to get not just some names, but the means of communication. How are, how are the people in this drug ring communicating with each other? That's what, what they need to know. And he just starts, you know, talking to this guy of like, hey, I understand. And he, then he starts talking about, yeah, I know you've got you've got two kids and then you lost your job and you're worried about, you know, everybody finding out about the about, you know, what you're doing. And if you if you work with us, we can get a letter from the magistrate to just clear all of this. But if you don't work with us, your name's going to be in the paper. And what's that going to do? And like, you know, going down the road of public shame. And I'm thinking as he's saying all these things to this guy, that's everything that's going through his own head. Yep. About, he's talking to himself. He's talking exactly. exactly to himself. And I thought, such smart writing because it's not, you could just watch that scene and not catch that at all. There's nothing in yeah. there. It's, but because I think he set this film up as pay attention to this dialogue, be careful. This is the next reel. I'm Pete Wright. And right over there is Andy Nelson. Hey, hey, hey. And we spoil the. Wait. Wait. Oh. Hello? Hello. I'm getting some feedback. Andy, are you there? Is this, are, are we on a, I thought, we, I thought we decided not to use our, our, our trucker, I, God. our trucker radio. Oh. Hey everybody, we've got some special what? guests here breaking in. Breaker, breaker. Pete's going to have fun editing this one now. He just made a fun task for himself. Doing it to himself. Hey, and that's actually what we were talking about. Right Look, before that, let me just say, sucks this. to be Andy human. And I are sitting there. Sucks to be human. Andy and I are. S- <laughs> We're, I'm saving all of this. You Andy should. and I are sitting there saying, "How often do we record shows at the same time?" Never. This is the first. We are going to live with horrible regret if we don't do this one. So there we, we go. This is it. I hope it was worth it. <laughs> Had you guys already started, or have you just finished? We're about to start. Oh, We're see, that's fine what, for what you. You, you jumped in right in the middle of our show. <laughs> exactly. That it's was perfect. the point. It could not be more perfect. What? Are, I don't even know what you're talking about. Felony. I mean, what is your movie? Felony. I haven't seen Excellent. it. It's, it's really, really good. Now, it Andy, is, uh, you've, you've watched it since you I did. It's a trailer pick. Yeah, you saw it on the list. Oh, you watched it like two months great. ago. Yeah. So, so was... we have this opportunity. Yes, Andy, tell us what you thought about Felony. I had such a great time with Felony. Yes. That Joel Edgerton, he is quite the storyteller. 
that's what we were talking we were just talking about <laughs> no i it's a it's a surprise it, it, it's not a, i shouldn't say it's a surprisingly good movie it's just it's it's really special it's actually very creative and in in ways that you would not expect going into it absolutely true all right all right i'll put it on the list See? And I, I think we should i think we should let you guys get back to your show <laughs> yes. you, you remember what really you're talking nice about talking to you though sucks to be human <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye, I love you guys. guys. <laughs> what a pleasant surprise. That was awesome. All right. So I, I think we've, is there any other part of the story that we haven't delved into that you wanted to, to discuss? Well, there's we, one scene okay. that I want to talk about because one of the things we talked about before we got into this movie is that uh, a lot of my favorite things in this movie were the, visually, uh, the way that it was presented visually. The, the, there's a fantastic number of fixed camera shots that were set up in ways to give you the lay of the land. They were scene setters in really creative ways. There were overhead shots. There were things fixed to cars. There were things fixed through windshields. There was lots of great stuff. But one of my favorite scenes that we haven't talked about yet is is after uh, Malcolm, so Joel Edgerton, gets the news that the kid, and again, they still believe it's the kid he saved, the kid that he hit uh, has died. Oh, yeah. And he's at work, and he it's kind of his boss, right? Or it's the constable yeah. or whatnot, tells him this and kind of you know mentions it to him quietly. And he's on his way to the board to talk to his team about his drug bust. And he goes to the board, and he's just sitting there, and he's, and he's reflecting, and we, and we linger on him a bit. But then there's a shot that's shot from across the room, and it's shot between two members of his team looking at him. And he looks back at the camera and back at the camera and is still considering all the news that he's received because he's guilty, right? He's he's behaving like a guilty person. The, the reason why I love that shot is because at the beginning when it sets it up, and I do this a lot of times when I see camera shots like this, is I'm like, who's looking at him? Who's watching him? He feels like he's watched, right? So why are we as the audience doing this? But what I think is really creative and why this is a really creative way to shoot it is because we are everyone and he feels like everyone sees him. So the shot wasn't about who we were as the audience. The shot was about how Mal felt after that moment. He felt like everyone knew he was guilty. And wow, what a great creative way in film to represent that. So there were shots like that all all throughout this movie and it really impressed impressed me that it was shot that way. I, you know, it might've been written in the screenplay that way. It's just, it's, it's really smart and creative for a movie that's making a very simple philosophical point, but it's, it, it's a simple philosophical point. That's not usually made. You talked about, um, these guys feeling guilty for the things they're doing wrong. That's actually kind of plainly told to us through the way their stories are, are brought out. And those other movies we've mentioned, like Narc, like The Departed, that's not what happens to the corrupt cops. The corrupt cops go bad, and they are all bad. In this, they're still good people. They're just doing wrong, and they don't know how to live without their guilt. And I think that's such a great story to be told. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There were a lot of a lot of scenes in the police station there where, uh, where Jim is watching and i think that's sort of also giving us a little bit of, he's watching how malcolm's behaving he's watching and he's perceiving that guilt he's he's observing that of like how you know why is he sitting there alone or how is you know creating that distance between himself as he's you know because he does feel that everyone does know that and it does build up to that moment that you just talked about and there are so many great silent moments it, it makes it hard to find you know as a, a segment to 
play for our listeners of like, here's a great scene to listen to because a lot of it is the visual strength of how things are presented. Or after Malcolm's had his, his car accident and he goes to the apartment to talk to the mother, the way that is shot because he's, he's disoriented and he's losing consciousness. There's, it's just portrayed visually so well to create that sense of confusion, the blackout, the haziness of everything just worked so well to create that sense of what it's like to have a concussion, to have, to have that uh, just works so well. And so many shots of this, I, they're not, they're not quite to the point where I'd say, Oh, that's a, that's a painting. I want to capture that. But there are so many where the layout, the arrangement and setup and framing is, is just very visually pleasing and, and works well. And there's also great use of distance because uh, there's a the scene where, where Jim and Carl have their sort of discussion in the parking lot. And there's times where the camera will be pulled back far enough. We're not always there in sort of like the medium shot. There's times where the camera, you know, will be moved back to watch something as an observer from farther away. And I, this is one where I felt could have easily felt like a large scale TV episode of a show but there were so many smart choices to elevate it above that because it's a simple story but everything done around it elevates that subject matter as well and so i want to give credit to the director as well of of a great way of taking this strong story but making much more out of it it was the right amount of show to tell us what was going on in the movie and that that so rarely actually has the right balance so I, i was very impressed by that so I think we're at a time where we can talk about where it fell in our in our rankings here. This one was challenging. Very challenging. For me. And I think you're going to end up ranking it higher because I think you, it, I'm getting a sense of you had a really strong – you have this strong emotional connection to movies that we've discussed before. And for me, this one was a little bit more difficult. It didn't – this is the the – horrible thing about flick chart is that that first one that break point can just really you know condemn a movie uh right off and for right right now elf is at my halfway point so this one Ooh. this is one that couldn't i couldn't How put it you a, compare movies to elf <laughs> right exactly that's it's challenging so it, it ended up at uh you know lower down on my list out of 309 it ended up at 259 which is uh Really low, I guess. It's the 16% mark, yeah. just below the horror film Belko Experiment, and then just above uh, f- the Harry Potter sort of franchise spinoff, Fantastic Beasts, and Where to Find Them. So after your interesting, after your case for this, I don't maybe I on rewatching, I may come back to this one, but for me, it just again, my expectations of that procedural, I think, just tainted my overall view i agree that it's solid performances but i felt like i wanted more out of this so i i enjoyed it but just not it's not one where i'm like yeah i'm eager to watch this again or um sit to sit down with somebody and say you have to see this movie this isn't a have to right. see it's sort of a i think a lot of the films that we discuss here on trailer rewind to fall into that hey here's something you you may not have thought about and if you've got some time it's worth watching but i wouldn't put this in the have to see category so it's is it 259 and right. and a, a solid three star for me on my letterbox solid okay three star. we'll see that's good and 
with everything you say, I still wouldn't say it's better than Elf. So I totally yeah. understand okay. what you're saying okay. there. For me, my my middle movie is Split, and I think and Split is you know I guess maybe a, a, a very coincidental movie to have right in the yeah. middle of my flick chart. <laughs> but I think I think Split is a very good movie. Uh, but I, this actually jumped up higher than that, and that's just because I think that this movie has much more to say than Split did, and that's why I put it there. Um, I actually had to rank it a couple times because I was I was kind of confused at how I was going to rank this one. Similar to what you're talking about, I think it's a great stream. I think if you find it on Hulu or Amazon Prime, which is where I watched it, I think you'll be so so happy and surprised. I don't think it's nearly as, you know, if you missed it, it's not a tragedy like Miss Sloan was. The fact that people didn't see Miss Sloan is still yes. still bugs me. And, and but but this is one that I'm going to recommend to people if they're looking for a movie. If they love cop movies, this is a great movie about what it's like to be a human cop in the world. So um, so mine got up pretty high. I I almost ranked it a four and a half stars. But in general, there were some things that I weren't super happy wasn't super happy about the the sort of repeating of things. I didn't like the opening with the repeating of the nine or the emergency call. Uh, I didn't like that um, we saw him having a conversation with Carl, but we're blotted out by helicopters, and then we went back and watched it again. That stuff I didn't need to see. So instead, I just went down to a four stars. But again, I was so impressed with the way that the story was creatively told and visually told that it went up pretty high on my flick chart. It's number 76 out of 172 wow. movies. Okay. So And that puts it uh, – it's in a weird spot, though. Uh, that it, it's That's in the 56th percentile, which I actually am kind of happy with that percentile. It's just – Below the Godfather Part Two, wow, <laughs> which seems okay. like a weird thing to have there, and just above Experimenter, which we saw oh, uh, yeah. on Trailer Rewind here too. Uh, I again, it kind of goes with the same thing about Split. I really liked Experimenter as well, but I think that Felony has more to say from a philosophical standpoint, and so I went with the story on that one. See, and that's why I, to me, I don't recommend this as a cop movie. To me, it it's a more of a movie about human condition that happens to be set in cop sort of a story around police officers sure. but yeah to That's me fair. this is very yeah. much a, a a character piece somebody that enjoys a good character-based story uh you know driven by dialogue and good character pieces and and solid performances because when i think of police you know movies like i said i start to think of procedurals a little bit more action and it does have that opening raid uh where malcolm gets shot that's it's not, sort of yeah but but that's really about it and you've got a couple other little scenes where they're going in and doing some more bus you know, of, of this drug ring. But yeah, to me, this is really for somebody that's interested in a, a story about, again, what does it mean to be human and, and character? So that's, that's who I would recommend this for. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's about justice or about law and order law much and order. more than yeah. police work. So, yeah. I, we, we're on a pretty good streak. You know, we haven't had anything. Yes. That's I'm been, very happy with our we, movies this we, year. We've Nothing uh, that's been like a complete, you know, disaster, nothing I've regretted watching. So I've, feeling pretty they're uh, out there yeah we gotta go find them <laughs> if you want I'll, <laughs> I'll dig them up but i'm on a i'm on a, a nice roll because last last week i saw a uh, quiet place which is just a oh, tremendous nice. movie not not for you i don't think i, do, I don't know nope <laughs> i thought if jj were here he'd be out in the hallway uh watching this one peeking yes. around the corner but it is a tremendous film that i can't recommend enough i am encouraging people to see it like Go to a really early show when there's not that many people because in general audiences don't know how to be quiet during a film. So to enjoy this uh, on the big sure. screen, go one of my coworkers saw it like a Sunday at like 10 o'clock. He said there weren't a lot of people or at least it was people that just respected, you know, film and 
Right. He said there was like not a peep out of anybody, which was great because you could let the silences of the film and the ambient sound, because there's not a lot of dialogue work really well. It's one that I'm, I'm recommending. It is intense. It will ratchet up your heart rate. It's got uh, quite a few jump scares that got me, but uh, it was pleasantly surprising. So I don't, that's what I dislike about movies is jump scares. So, yeah, I'm not going to see that one. Okay. And then I've got to find- Not new, looking for jump scares. This weekend, we're going to be doing, uh, what, film board on Beirut. So, that's the next thing that's going to be on my list to see is get out and see uh, see that one for the Me film too. board. Yeah. What about you? You've seen anything uh, recently? Well, I did, you know, I we talked about Harold and Maude a little bit. Yes. I watched that. Uh, we talked about that on a Saturday matinee. I, I, my big thing about that is I think it's, you know, it's what it would be like if Wes Anderson directed The Graduate. Um, <laughs> and then that's that's kind of my feelings about yeah. that movie. Uh, but it was, I thought it was good. I, I understand why it, why it's special. I'm, I'm, you know, I can't say that I'm looking forward to Beirut, but I'm I'm interested. I think that uh, there's a really chance, a, a real chance for this movie to be very interesting and it and it has a very interesting counter programming sort of aspect right now for this time of year so i'm hopeful for it um i think it's going to make for a really good conversation especially with some of the uh the social criticism that's come out about it it's actually opening at the um uh, the, uh, on a commemorative date for the lebanese civil war which seems really odd considering oh, the subject wow. matter okay. um so there's a bunch of things to to talk about about uh inclusion and accuracy in terms of historical films which is what this is trying to be based on a true story so uh yeah so i'm looking forward to the beirut discussion i'll be seeing that this weekend leading up to the show all right great and for all our listeners out there if you haven't already please please head over to itunes and give us a rating and a review it helps other film fans find us and we hope that you will help other fans discover us because then we're building a community and there's nothing more thrilling than discovering a like-minded group of film lovers online. It's like finding a new home. And the best thing that you could do is go watch a movie with a friend and then sit down and have a conversation about it. And if it's one that you've discussed that we've discussed on any of our shows, please let us know. Cause we love hearing from you. We'd love to hear how moved you may have been by felony. Did you find it a thrilling cop drama? A great statement about the human condition. Let us know. Uh, also want to make, uh, uh, special thanks out to Pete Wright for taking time out of his busy schedule to edit this into a coherent conversation and precisely placing those audio clips that we give him. Thank you, Pete. That dude. All right. Yeah. Well, JJ, you have a great evening. Thank you, too. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. 
Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Today. 